A wife was so mad at her husband, she packed his bags and she told him to get out. As he walked slowly to the door, she said, I hope you die a long, slow, painful death. And he turned around and said, so do you want me to stay or do you want me to go? (laughs) Just kidding. A guy said to God, God, is it true that a billion years is like a second? And God said, yes, it is. And the guy says, God, is it true that a billion dollars is like a penny? And God said, well, yes, it is. And the guy said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, yeah, in just a second. You'll get that later. Amen. I want to talk to you today about um, reaching the lost. Uh, Every time I preach or talk about reaching the lost, everybody always says to me, says, "Uh, Pastor Tim, it's about numbers. I'm like, yeah. It is about numbers. I want them all. I want every church in Cabot. I want every seat filled up. I, I, I know what it felt like when I was lost. I, I know what it felt like the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I began to see what happened in my life. And I desire that every church and every, and, and every city across the world is filled with people that so, so we're wanting them all, amen? So now I've grown a little bit since then. I've grown up a little bit since we started this thing. I, when, when we first started ministry, I always thought that it was about numbers. You know, the more people you had, the more that God blessed you. The more money that you had, the more God blessed you. If you had, if you had many vans or you had youth vans, then, then that's how God blessed you. And maybe I, we even had a, a, a friend of ours as a pastor. He has, a, he's, has bodyguards. And I'm like, I, I don't even have a bodyguard. I don't have anybody to, you know, so, so that's right. Thank you, Mikey. And so, and, and so one day I was sitting at a conference, and I just happened to sit down in this chair, and Jesse Duplantis sat down beside me. He sat down beside me, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Jesse Duplantis. And I said, I said he said, I said, hey, Jesse. He goes, you know me? I was like, yeah. I said, I actually do. I said, I gave my life to one of your videos when I was in, when I was, uh, in, in, a, in the Iraqi war, I said, I'd, I ended up giving my life over there. And he's like, really? He goes, what video was it? I said, I know you're going to think it's crazy, but it was you come riding in on a motorcycle. He goes, he turned around to his wife and goes, I told you. I told you that was a good idea. I knew that that would work. She goes, man, she thought that was the dumbest idea there was. And I said, no, this is going to work. But I watched him write his, uh, uh, just an offering check out for $10,000 and put it in the offering plate. And I was like, Lord, I, I felt like, I felt like at that point in time, Maybe I, we weren't doing it right until one day I went to church with Daryl Fist, his old church, and it was a little church down in North Little Rock, and we get there, and we have Sunday night service, and after the Sunday night service, there's like 25 people there, and I'm like, oh, was there, was there people missing today? And he goes, no, no, there was, this was everybody. There may have even been a few guests. I was like, this is all that ever comes to your church is 25 people? He goes, yeah. He said, it was packed. It was full house. And when I drove home, I remember, and you know I'm not good with names, the Lord said to me, he goes, Roy Kidder loves me more than you do. I'm like, what? He said, Roy Kidder is satisfied with preaching to the, whoever I give him, and you're only satisfied with this stuff. And I thought, wow, Lord, change my heart. Don't ever let me get to a place where it's about, it's about numbers, where it's about stuff, where it's about, I just want to be able to preach, the, preach who you to who you want me to and, and how you want me to do it. And I, and I believe that here, everybody, I believe here, everybody in, that's given their life to the church, to the Lord, has the Holy Spirit lives in, and I believe they have a desire to reach the lost. 
I actually believe that. I believe, I believe when we're presented with the right, right opportunity, and I think Grace Fellowship does. I think, I think when we're presented the right opportunity, we respond with the Holy Spirit out of us, and we love people. And it's crazy. When we love people, and we're not trying to have them as a project, but when we just love people, something begins to happen. Something begins to happen to them. It's not that we're after something. It's just we're just going to love the way God loves us, and out of this love, something changes inside of them. I mean, I don't think that people come here for our great jokes, even though that was some good jokes. Thank you. I don't think that they come for our super ability or our speaking or our ability to talk. I don't think they come for that. I think that people come because we love. And if we have a desire to reach the lost and we love, then I always wonder why in every church there's empty seats. I just, I always think that. I'm like, God, what is it? What do we we need to do? How does this need to happen? How do we reach those who've never heard your name? How do we reach those who are broken, who are addicted, who who don't know it? How how do we do this? How's it possible to be able to reach this people for you? If we all have a desire and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, then what do we need to do? And the Lord spoke to me and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest, therefore, send out workers. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And, you know, so what does it mean when it talks about the parable about the harvest and the workers? I think for a long time, we used to use that scripture to shame people into reaching their friends. Hey, listen, look, the, the, the harvest is plentiful. There's all these lost people out there, and there's very few people who's going to reach them, and you need to. And, but I don't think that's what it meant whatsoever. I think when Jesus was talking to the disciples, there was only 12 of them. And he said, listen, the harvest, the world is out there. They're waiting for this message that we have. It's, it's unbelievable. It's a great message. So the harvest is plentiful, but there's only 12 of us. So that, that's what he meant by that. So we use that word, I mean, we use that scripture so many times to, to make people feel bad, people in church to feel bad because they weren't reaching their lost friends or they weren't reaching their neighbors or they weren't reaching this. When really the Lord was saying to his disciples, hey, there's only a few of us and, and the world is full of people. And so he says, ask the Lord of the harvest for that. So I asked, I was like, what does that mean? He says, listen, you're in relationship so here you are, there's a few of you, the harvest is plentiful, there's so many people out there that's lost, and you in this relationship with the Lord should be asking the Lord, what does it look like for your life? Period. So we're just saying to you, stay in relationship with the Lord, and while you're in relationship with the Lord, he's going to show you and show you the people that you need to outreach to. So we went to eat breakfast yesterday, and and when I got up yesterday morning, I just began to pray, pray and I, used to, I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to I see the one today. I don't want to pass up today. I don't want to get so busy with, with meetings and so busy with mowing and so busy with the yard sale and doing all the stuff that, that, I, that I miss the one that you want touched today. I don't want to miss it. I don't, I don't want to give up and there be somebody that you want touched today and I miss that. So, so I got up early and I just began to pray, God, God, burn inside of me. Don't let me miss the one that you want to touch today. And so sure enough, we're eating breakfast, and, and a lady sits down beside us, and the Lord says, that's her. That's the one. 
That, that's the one I want to touch today. So I, so I just said, Lord, what do, what do I need? To, what, do you, what do you want me to do? I felt like the Lord said, hey, don't tell her, but pray, pray for her and her husband's dinner or, or breakfast. And then leave her a prophetic word. So I felt like the Lord had given me a word, so I, I wrote the word down. I tipped the waitress very well. Because that's the last thing that I wanted to do was give somebody a prophetic word. And the waitress goes, oh, great. You gave them a prophetic word, but you couldn't give me a dollar. You know, I'm like, so I want to represent you all, every place that I'm at. So I tipped her well. I gave the thing, and I walked out the door knowing that I had asked the Lord of the harvest who he wanted to touch today. And sometimes I just wonder if we just get busy. I just wonder, I just wonder so many times if, if we just get busy with life and, and we get going and we got all this stuff going and we have work and we, have, and we, we forget to ask him who lives inside of us, what do you want to do today? How, how do I, do I want to do, who's the one that you want to touch today? And I, and I heard a testimony one time of Heidi Baker and she was in Africa and she was going to a conference of 50,000 people. I'm like, that's a lot of people. She was going to a conference and her driver picked her up and, and she was always praying, Lord, I don't want to miss the one today. And as she was driving down the streets of Mozambique, she looked across and there was a lady out on the corner and the Lord said, that's the one. So she stopped, she stopped the driver and said, I, I need to go pray for that lady. So she gets out to go pray for her and she says, hey, she goes, what's your name? And the lady says, oh, the lady with her who, who was interpreting for her said she has no name. She says she has no name. She was born on the streets. And when she was born, they just left her on the streets. And the street people picked her up and began to take care of her. And they never gave her a name. And she goes, how is it possible that you were designed by God and, and yet you don't have a name? And so she just began to pray. And the Lord gives her her name. And she says, listen, she goes, I want you to have this. She goes, this is your name. Your name is, Be no, she goes, your name is this, which meant one that sees. And the interpreter tells the lady it's the one who sees. And, and the interpreter says, well, Miss Heidi, she's blind. She can't see. So Miss Heidi goes, how is it possible that God would not give you a name? And how would it be possible that God gave you a name that, you can, that means you can see and you can't see? So she prays for her, and she sees for the first time in her life. And by the way, she was 55 minutes late to her 50,000 people conference who come to see her. So sometimes I wonder, you know, I, just, I, I think about that in my life. I don't want to get so busy with my life that I don't get to give those people that are around me the gift of life that was given to me. I don't want to pass up an opportunity by being so busy that I miss what God wants to do inside their life. And so I have to pause myself. I have to put this pause button inside of my life and say, God, I don't want to miss the one. I don't want to get so busy with my own problems and my own situations. Can I tell you, we got problems. Can I tell you, there's no, is there anybody in here who don't have a problem? If you don't, please stand up so all of us could whoop you. Because the rest of us have got so many problems, we're mad at everybody who don't have a problem right now. Amen? It, it's crazy 
these parables, we used to use people, we used to tell people to kind of get them to do, to reach the lost or do the things. Hey, listen, the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful. Why, why are you not filling the seats up? And, And we used, I think we used the scripture wrong on people. We used it to try to motivate people, and I don't, I don't think that we were bad. I, I just think the church was on a journey. Do you know who the church is? Uh, us, right? But isn't it crazy when, when the church, we, we don't mind being the church when the church is doing good. We, we don't mind being the church when the church is reaching the lost, and whoo, Jesus is showing up and there's a party in the house. We don't mind being the church. But when the church makes a mistake which is really us, then we can talk about the church, right? We can say, well, the church gave me some revelation, and that revelation is bad, and, and now I'm mad at them because the church, and really the, no different than I'm on a journey, the church is on a journey because we're the church. So it's impossible that the church be on a journey and me not be on a journey. Isn't it crazy? I'm allowed to make mistakes, but the church is not allowed to make mistakes. It's crazy how we do that to each other. So we're growing and the church is growing and, and leaders in the church are, are, they're just people. Leaders in the church are just people who stick their neck out to try to hear the Lord, to make decisions inside the church, but yet we treat them like there's something different with them and they're just people. And can I tell you, pastors are just People. I, get this, I got this shirt that says, I love Jesus, I just cuss a little bit. We're, we're just people. And, and we're all on the journey, but there's times that when, when, when we don't, it's okay for me to have a revelation two weeks ago and have a new revelation now, but when the church has that revelation, we're mad at the church. You know, I tell you, when, when we get to heaven, I wonder, because can, can I tell you, the church pulled me out of hell. The, the church stops addictions inside of my life. It saved my marriage. It, it taught me about Jesus. It, put my, it gave me an inner healing that began to happen inside of me. And, and when I was in the middle of, of nowhere and nothing, I could still call somebody late at night and somebody from the church would come out and pray for me. Or when I was going through hard times or when my children ran away when they were 14 years old and I didn't know what to do, the church came out and sat with me all night long. It's amazing the, what the church did inside of my life, but the moment that the church makes a mistake, then I can, I can surely turn and say, oh, man, I'm going to need to deconstruct from this church and what they're doing and what's happening, and it just amazes me. But Katie, bar the door, if the church teaches us a revelation and that revelation changes later on, we go, well, they taught us this or they taught us that. Well, can I tell you who they are? It's, they are us. So that, that's us that's doing that thing, Amen. You know, it's, it's, I think that when, when we get to heaven, Kay's got like a, a special award coming or something. Because you, you don't know how many homeless people I've drug home. I find them broke down on the side of the freeway. They say, we hungry. I say, come on, hop on in. You can stay with me. I'd be pulling up the house, four homeless people jumping out of the car and saying, Kay, Jesus told us to feed them. And she's like, Jesus better be cooking something right now then. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people over the years who we spent in our house for months and years 
because I felt like God told us to do that. It's, it's amazing how many things I put my family through because I felt like what Jesus had told us to do in the midst of that. It's amazing to me, we, we, we stick our necks out there, but yet I wonder how we're doing. So I'm talking about Jesus sends out the 12, and he says, hey, listen, the harvest is plenty. There's a lot of people out there that need Jesus. So can I tell you, Grace, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people who need Jesus out there, and there's, there's more of us now than there was when he sends the 12. And you need to ask the Lord of the harvest, the Lord that you're in relationship with, what's it look like for me? Who's the one? Where's the one at? How do, I, how, do I, how do I actually do this? How do I actually send the ones out to do this? How do I actually find the one? Who's the one that you want to touch? Is it somebody who's blind? Is it somebody who, who, who's broken? Is it somebody who doesn't have food? What does it look like? Does it look like my neighbor? Does it look like a banker? What does it look like inside of our lives? Amen? Amen. Thank you. It was crazy because... I think the first reason a lot of times that we don't notice the one is the circumstances in our own lives. I mean, my finances are not the great. My marriage is not the great. My, my thoughts are not always on there. And I, and I think, shoot, I'm only two thoughts from not even being saved. If I let two thoughts go by, maybe it wasn't even it. I, I think what we're missing is this. The world is trying to take our gaze and I want to tell you about it. Jesus tells this story about his disciples, and he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to get in the boat. And so when he says to the disciples, these fishermen, he's not talking to guys who just are out to catch a bass or a couple of crappies for dinner. He's talking to people who have been born into fishing. These guys' uncles fish, their brothers fish, their families fish, their grandpas fish. They knew fishing. They were, born, they were probably more comfortable in the water than they were on shore. These were the kids when you showed up at school that smelled like fish because that's all they did was fish. It's, that's how they lived, their fish. And so they sat around and heard over the dinner table of the stories of what this perfect storm looked like. They, they knew, they, they heard their grandpas and their uncles and their grandpas talking about the storm that they went through that they'd never seen, that they'd experienced. So, so when these guys get in the boat, they're not just guys out there bass fishing like me or you looking for a catfish or something, right? These guys, these guys knew fishing, but the scripture says they thought they were going to die. Can I tell you, some of the commentaries say that this storm was so big it actually lasted nine hours. Can I tell you, in a nine-hour storm, these guys used everything that they could do to get them through the storm already, but they still thought they were going to die. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation or a place where you really thought you were going to die. I mean, I mean I, I've been in that situation a few times, and, and most of the, the good ones what, weren't in the military. They were out hanging out with your pastor. I mean, and I used to tell those stories about how he almost killed me two or three times, and you guys didn't believe me. And then Ricardo and Daniel joined the hunting club, and now they can go, wow, he almost killed us several times. But So I don't, I don't know if you've ever had anybody... 
But I'm talking about the disciples in the middle of a storm that lasted nine hours, and they thought they were going to die. But, but let me ask you something. Who, who, who invited them to the boat? Oh, so you mean that Jesus invited them to the boat. You're telling me because they're following Jesus, they were in the worst storm of their life. They were word for word, step for step following him, and they ended up in the worst place inside of their lives. Sometimes, church, I think we get it wrong. I think we have this wrong theology because when I see somebody like that, I tell them they missed it. You must have missed it. You must have missed something in your life because you're in the worst storm that's ever been. You must have disobeyed Jesus. You must have walked away from him. You must not know who he is. You must, the devil must be working inside of your life. You've got so much. We tell people stuff like that. And, but yet these guys, word for word, step by step, was following Jesus, and they ended up in the worst storm, the worst life-threatening place inside their lives. You know you've said it to people or thought it. I have. When I watch somebody go through something, I mean, there's some people in this room that, that I, I break over thinking, man, I told them that may be the devil. I, may, I told them they, they may have been missing God. That, that they were disobedient from the one that they loved. And I laid that on them. What I'm talking about is maybe reaching the lost, maybe reaching the lost has more to do with loving people and not judging people and allowing people to walk through storms and allowing them step by step, word for word, moment by moment, to walk with the creator who created them. And I think, why, why would Jesus invite the disciples into a boat to be the worst place inside their life? Because I, I believe that the, the God on the shore is the same God in the storm, but we react. Can I tell you, we react to the God on the shore? Man, I can preach a good message on the shore. Man, I can tell you that God is good and God saves and he's going to deliver. I can tell you all of those things. And man, I can preach it and I can make you believe in all that. But now you put me in that storm for nine hours and now I'm not quite sure that he knows who I am. I, I'm not quite sure that he's going to save me. I'm not quite sure that I'm going to get out of this because I don't know the God of the storm in the same way that I know the God of the shore. And I think as a church, maybe we've been preaching to a people about a God on the shore and not also preaching to them about a God in the storm. And it's the same God and he loves us both and he's going to pull us through this. And, and I don't know about you, but when you get that, Tragic news, I mean, I've dealt with some stuff. I still have deep gouges out of my heart. Mason Gonzalez gouges my heart. 
it was the first little boy that we lost in this church. And it pulls deep on me day and night. Because I, I thought that God always saves and God always heals and God always, this is who he is. And, and I didn't know the God of the storm. But now I've watched over the years that I've changed that people have, have gotten devastating news on their health. And I've watched them come into financial ruin or watch a marriage fall apart or, or children to be addicted. And, 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 and the people still love Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, instead of judging them in my own little heart, in my own little way, I could have loved them differently. Maybe, maybe the lost world, maybe the lost world, it's not their time yet. Can I tell you, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was looking for a 12-pack of Miller Lite. I wasn't looking for Jesus, and Jesus found me. But it's crazy, once that I cross this side, then I tell everybody else what they got to do to find Jesus. Well, you need to quit drinking, and you need to come to church, and you need to read your Bible. And then when you do all that stuff, then the stuff inside of your life is going to change, and then you're going to love Jesus. That's our message to the world. It always didn't happen that way. And there was ups and downs, and... Remember, I asked, is there anybody here who don't have a problem? We still give you that offer to stand up so we can beat you up. If you don't have a problem, it's probably because you're under, under 12 and you're just eating and sleeping and watching your mom and dad's TV. <laughs> because we have problems. And so what I'm talking about, I'm talking about reaching the lost, but maybe reaching the lost had nothing to do with telling them what we thought they needed to do and reaching the lost was loving them unconditionally as they walked us out. If, if we were doing it right, we wouldn't have a place to sit today. I mean, let's get real. Let's get real. We, we got the same problems inside the church as outside the pro church. I, I think that there's a place that God wants to take us to. And to find out that whether someone's in the storm or whether they're on the shore, they're, they got to connect with Jesus. And they don't really need to tell me if they're full of demons because I see all this stuff going on inside their life. And I, and I just so wonder, you know who breaks my heart is Tiffany Babcock breaks my heart. Tiffany's been with us for how long? A long time. Probably more faithful than me to church. <laughs> Comes and worships. Been addicted, said, for 20 years. And now she's struggling in the hardest battle she's ever done because she decided I'm not going to do it anymore. That's one of ours. <laughs> How many times she crossed our minds? How many times have we sent an encouraging letter, a word? Or, I mean, I, I feel like that basket should be filled ten times a week. 
And I just, I, don't, I just wonder if we know how to love. Or if my life is so busy that I just forget to love. If, if I can't love the ones here, how do I love the ones that's not? And if I don't love the ones that are not here, how do they ever come here? I'm not trying to talk to a good people down. I'm trying to tell good people where I feel like that we're at on this love thing. So I think there's seasons inside of our life, and I think that we all grow. And I love the church. I, I love I mean, I love Revelation. I love where we've been and where we're going. I, I mean, I just love it. I, I, I mean, I, I can watch the, where we've been and where we're at, and I can laugh at myself going, oh, my God, I hear Kay say something in small group, and I'll be like, where in the world did you hear that? She's like, that's what you used to say. I'm like, oh, oh sorry, yeah, don't say that no more. Don't, don't say that no more. It's like, what? I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I've got this revelation, and, and this revelation causes me to change. It's what Pastor Allen talks about. This God gives me revelation, and I repent, meaning I think the way he thinks now. So I didn't know how to love, and now I know how to love. So I repent, and I begin to love. And so as I walk, so there's a power that happens when I, when I repent. Not, not because I do something, not because I become better. When I realize I don't know how to love, and I've judged people, I've judged myself, right? I, that's where we started off, and I judged myself. I'm not right, so if I'm not right, you're not right. And if you're not right, everybody's not right, and we have this place. And so the fruit of the church is not many people because this judging that happens, not because the harvest is not plentiful, just because we don't know how to do it. So now I notice that, so I'm like, oh, shoot, I repent. Now I want to love, and when I repent, a power comes with that, a power from the Holy Spirit that was given at the cross, not, not any extra stuff, not, not any more stuff. It's just now when I come into an alignment with the way he thinks, something, power lines up behind that. So then I don't have to produce fruit. Fruit just comes out of my life. Can, can I tell you, if, we, if, if everybody in Cabot was sick and they lined this row and they all got healed, can I tell you, next week you wouldn't have to worry about finding a seat in here because you're not going to find a seat in here because they're going to come. So what we have to do is say, okay, God, where, where is it that I don't align up with you? Where is it, where's, where is it, not because I'm bad, not because I don't love you. Where is it that I didn't line up with you? Let me repent of that. And a power comes when I repent. Not because I try harder. Not because it makes me look better. Not because I'm going to not say a cuss word this week or I'm not going to drink a beer this week or I'm not going to look at this or do that. It doesn't come from that. It comes from walking in alignment with him. So I'm wondering, is, as a church, we could repent. And we would repent of not, 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 not knowing how to love. It's not that I didn't want to love. I just didn't know how to love. And, and so now I want to know how to love. Holy Spirit, I'll, I want to know how to connect with people. I, I want to know how to touch the ones you don't want to, that you want to touch. I want to, I want to walk this out the way you want to walk it out. And, and so, but it, 
what it requires from me is not work. What it requires from me is fill me. Fill me with this thing that you have that I don't know what it's about and love the way you love. Because I think that in one of the the Gospels, Jesus says it this way. He says, Father, I pray they become one. Just like you and I are one. So let's just stop right there. Let's, let's not overlook that. I pray they become one like you and I are one. I don't know we're there. <laughs> I don't know we can skip that part. So if we're not one, just like him and the Father are one, then something has to change in us. So to me, that means I stay there until this working starts to work inside of my life. So every day I'm like, Lord, and, and, and I think it goes more, I don't think that we're supposed to agree on everything. I don't think we're supposed to read the same version of the Bible. I don't think that we have to have the same theology. I don't, I don't think, that's not what I'm talking about. I think this connection of one where we love and we do this loving thing even when we don't understand. Amen. Thank you, Mikey. I might have to put Mikey up here on the front row. Mikey, you better be here next week. Every time I preach, I need your number, Mikey. I'm going to have you come every time I preach. I, I, Mikey's my one-man encourager. So what if, church, like this picnic thing coming up, the whole part behind it is the leaders of grace wanted us to gather so we could, we could connect in all of our differences in all of our weirdness, in all of our different looks, and we would connect, not because we all believed everything and everybody has to come in and say everything that I say and be the way I, it's not saying that, but we connect in this oneness thing and we feel love and then the people that we invite feel that same love. So last week I was praying and we, I have a small group on Sunday night, it's Way better than anybody else's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. It is, no, just joking. I'm just joking. Um, uh, I think every small group is great. Uh, but Sunday night, I'm praying before small group. And as we gathered into a circle to worship, I saw this fire in the middle of the group that was just a, like a bonfire, a little small fire. And in it, that fire would jump out on every individual in the circle. And they would intensify, and then it would come back and get bigger. And then it would jump back out and get more fire, and then it would jump back in and do this thing back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, man, am I, am I doing something? That, did somebody that take something? Did something happen? Where am I getting this vision at? And Bryant finally stood up, and he said, hey, listen, I see this big, huge fire in the middle. I'm like, whew, thank you. 
Thank you, Brian. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, here's really what it is. He goes, oneness is when every person in the group is on fire. And it's who I created them to be. And they join together. Then it creates this all-consuming fire that hits the middle that burns hotter to the people again. And each time it would hit the middle, then the people on the outside would burn. But it was wild that it required everybody in the group to be a part so the fire would burn and, and then the fire would get bigger and then burn every person. And it was like it, both were needed. The Holy Spirit was needed, but this oneness together was needed. And each individual who were made designed exactly the way God designed them would be who they are and then it would do that. And so I, I've, I've felt for a while that, that I felt like the Lord was going to start to blow. I, I just feel it. I, I don't know why, but I feel it across America. I, f- I feel a wind coming. I feel it. I, I know it's coming. I can feel it in the mornings. I know when it's happening. And so I don't know when or how or what it's going to look like, but I know I, 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 f- I sense a wind of the Holy Spirit moving. And I, so, I, so in my head, I'm always asking the Lord, Lord, I think that for me, small groups is the way people grow and are discipled. And so I'm like, but nobody wants to be a small group leader because we all did it. And it was the worst thing in the world because you, as a small group leader, you know, people eat you. You know, they, they, they're like, they blame you for things. When God doesn't do everything right, you're the problem. And you're, I mean, it's like, it's like you're trying your best to walk, help people through stuff, and then they just come back and eat you in the middle. So, so most people who's ever been, if you've ever been a small group leader, raise your hand. How many of you did it hurt being a small group leader? <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. Well, because we, we didn't know how to do it right. We, and, and so I felt like, how do we ever become a small group church when we've already eaten all of our leaders? We're going to have to, we're going to, have to get some more leaders so we can eat them. And, and, uh, and so I thought, wow. So I thought, I'm going to ask, after that little thing, I'm going to ask anybody who ever felt like they're supposed to be a small group leader. And when I did, about 95% of them or more raised their hand and said, I felt like that I have a ministry. And I'm, when I say a small group, I think there's a ministry inside of you that God's placed inside of you. But I don't think you can do it by yourself. I think the group has to help you develop that. And I thought, wow, what if every person in the group came together and thought, hey, I want to help these guys develop who they are and help get them on their feet and do what God's called them to do and we'll help these. And we won't do it individually. We just won't push those guys off the side and good luck, good luck, whoo, have fun, you know, hope Jesus is with you, you know, but what if, if we joined, the, joined those people in that group and they were all had invested interest to help those people make it in the ministry that God's called them to be? And everybody went, oh, my goodness. So we put the first couple in the middle, and the Lord showed up in a powerful, powerful way. So I, I just think the beginning of reaching the lost starts here. In my heart. And it's my heart towards you and you and you and you. And and when I come into that place and where I'm for you and not against you and I'm 
allowing that, I think what happens is you begin to see that love develop. And as you see that love develop, people say it in grace all the time. They're like, man, I really, really felt loved there. I think we're at that. We're headed to that place. I think we're moving to that place. Now I think that we just have to ask the Holy Spirit. Rest on here. Rest on this area of my life. And so when they sang that song today, do we have the worship team still here? Did they leave? Did they all leave? Hey, if the worship leader, will you worship team come back up here? No, no, no. Tracy, you're, you don't get to sing. No, you can sit right back down. Yeah, Tracy, you're, that's good, but hold on to him, Pam. Don't let him get up here. Um, I just think that song was very, very important today. It was so important that the Lord woke me up three times this week, and he gave me this song. But I don't know words to songs. I don't even know the name of the song. So I try to hum it. I'm like, hmm, hmm, And they're like, uh, no, we don't sing any song like that. I'm like, yeah, we do. They're like, no, we don't. And so three days in a row, the Lord woke me up with that tune. In three days, I thought I could hum it, and I never did. And so in my office this morning, they start to sing the song, and I'm like, that's the song. What if today, what if today wasn't like every Sunday where we punch our spiritual time clock and we check it and we walk out the door? But we leave with something resting on our heart. Lord, teach me. Holy Spirit, rest upon this heart and teach me to love the way you love. Let, let me become one like you and the Father are one so they'll know that you sent us. I, I just think it's all there. I think all the stuff is there I think everything that Jesus wanted us to have is there, and we're just working to produce it instead of resting in Him to do that. And, and sometimes resting means work, I mean, sometimes, but it's, it's this thing where I, where I yield my heart in this place. And we don't leave today without yielding my heart to that. And, and, and this time when we sing the song, you sing it. Rest here. Rest here so I could love the way you love. Rest here so I not only don't judge myself, but I don't judge others. Rest here so I can have a passion, a compassion for the lost. That I'm broken because they don't know you. Not judging because they don't know you. So I wonder if, if, if we could go through this song again, but you make this your time with the Father. So if you would stand up with me, if you can. If you don't sit down, I'm good with sitting down. I'm good with laying down. I'm good with whatever. I'm good with coming up here. You know Jesus is closer to the front than he is in the back. And... 
and if you if you if you fell asleep, God's going to judge you for that. No, I'm just kidding. He won't, he, won't, he, won't, he won't judge you for that. I'm just joking you. Um, but I want to make this personal because I believe that I believe that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this picnic so we could love people. And I want to love people. Amen? Let's go ahead.